morning everyone please turn your bibles with me to uh, 1st corinthians in chapter 9 uh, we have heard from verses 19 to 27 in our study of the book of 1st corinthians in our study of chapter 9 over the period of 3 weeks we've le- reached the last portion of this chapter if you remember just to recollect in 1st corinthians chapter 8 and 9 The most important topic that apostle Paul talks of here is the exercising of the freedom that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now just to keep into perspective what we've discussed so far, if you could just look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 9, we'll get the theme of what we have been looking at so far. Chapter 8 and verses 9, apostle Paul says, "Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak this is the theme of what apostle paul continues to teach in chapters 9 and 10 and onwards be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block for others that are there in your assembly you and i are free in the lord jesus christ we have freedom in the lord jesus christ you and i can do whatever heart pleases but that freedom that we enjoy because of the lord jesus christ die as a result of the exercise of our freedom we should never become a stumbling block to somebody else and that is the theme that he continues on to chapter 9 if you remember in the beginning part of that chapter he's talking specifically in terms of a full time worker a full time worker has the freedom to exercise his or her spiritual gifts within the assembly of god but that does not mean that he or she says i am completely free i am not bound to anybody no they cannot say that they are bound by the rules and regulations of the local assembly and it is important for every local assembly to support its full time workers A full-time worker cannot abuse his freedom and say because I am free I can do whatever I want to do. We are bound by rules and regulations that is set by the local assembly. And that is what we looked at at the beginning of this chapter. Now we are at the last part of this chapter in chapter 9 verses 90 to 27. Apostle Paul talks about the model for ministry. Apostle Paul is talking about the model for ministry. Now let me tell you something let me clarify something before we go into this portion of scripture it is by default desired by god that all born again believers must be involved in the ministry of the lord you get what i'm trying to say by default it is the desire of the lord that all born again believers that means all of you listening to me if you have accepted the lord jesus as your personal savior if you have obeyed the lord in the waters of baptism if you are a, a regular active member of a local assembly by default it is the desire of the lord that you ought to be in his ministry that you ought to preach the gospel of the lord jesus christ now that being the case can i ask all of you a question do we all collectively at all points of time share the gospel yes or no no we don't all of us don't some of us know that we are supposed to but we don't do that and therefore the lord has chosen certain people to set apart their life their time their abilities conclusively exclusively to share the gospel of the lord jesus christ the lord in his plan 
in his plan and in his purpose, he has chosen certain people to let go of their earthly jobs and to completely, wholeheartedly be involved in the ministry of the Lord. That means those of us who are born again, with our secular work, we are supposed to be involved in ministry. And those of us who are called must also be involved in ministry. And whether you are serving the Lord with your job, or like me, if you are serving the Lord full time, it is the same model that Apostle Paul is preaching that you and I must adopt in our ministry. What kind of ministry what, what must we as born-again believers be involved in? What is the model that we must choose to follow when we serve the Lord along with our job, when we serve the Lord in full-time ministry? What is the model? Apostle Paul, chapter 9, verse 90 to 27, he talks of three models that all believers must follow in their life. Three models that we as believers must understand, must follow when you and I are involved in our ministry. Listen to me carefully as we go through these verses. Number one, we must have the desire to win souls. We must have the desire to win souls. Why is it that you and I share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it that we go and tell the people about the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is because all believers, whether you do ministry along with your work or you are in full time, we must all possess within us the desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in verses 19. Look at that. He says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. The desire that Apostle Paul has is that he wants to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look at what the example he talks about in verse 19. Please pay attention here. Look at the example that he gives in verse 19. He says, How can he win a lot of people for the Lord Jesus Christ? How does he do that? He says, by making himself a slave. He makes himself a slave to everyone so that he can win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I want to become a slave. And by becoming a slave to everyone, by serving everybody else, through my service as a slave of the Lord Jesus, I will win many souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. I will bring people back into their relationship with God. He talks about becoming a slave so that he can win many souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are studying the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, in chapter 2, this is the same example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does not that what, is that not what the scripture teaches about the Lord? In Philippians chapter 2, though he was with God, he did not consider himself to be equal, but he chose to make himself nothing, to become a slave. So that he can bring people back into their relationship with God. And that's the same thing that Apostle Paul says. He's following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. How Jesus could have come into this world with a lot of noise. With a lot of sound. With a red carpet treatment. But no, he chose to be born into this world as a humble babe. He chose to be born as a slave to all of humanity. Why? Because it was his desire that through that life that he lived, he could bring many into their relationship with God. My brothers and sisters, my dear friends, those of you who have come here today, the story of man begins in the book of Genesis as, as to how God created man and every man by his own decision did not enter into a relationship with God. They broke their relationship with God because of the act of disobedience. 
but it was the desire of god to send his only begotten son jesus christ so that he could repair that which was broken between everyone's relationship with their god it was jesus's desire to bring people back to god and apostle paul says the same thing here i want to become a slave because the first model for any ministry that you and i need to follow is to have a desire to bring souls to win souls for the lord jesus christ you look at another way that he uses to describe this desire look at chapter 10 and verse 33 first corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33 there he says even as i try to please everybody in every way for i am not seeking my own good but the good of many so that they may be saved so that they may be saved or as he says in chapter 9 and verse 19 to win as many as i can to win as many as i can it must be listen to me carefully it must be the desire of every born again believer to have a desire to win souls for the lord jesus christ can i picture it for you in this way when the lord jesus finally comes back into this world and you and i stand in the presence of the lord and when we go about shaking people's hand and saying i'm so happy to see you how many people would walk up to us pat us on our shoulder and tell us brother sister i am so thankful for the gospel that you shared because of which i am here today do we have a desire like that to win souls for the lord jesus christ do we have a desire to look at people that are lost that are still living in darkness and do we have a, a burning ache in our heart to share the good news with them so that they also from darkness would come into the marvelous light they would enjoy the same things that you are enjoying my dear friends can i remind you about your friend circles in your offices in your schools why is it that the lord has made you to become friends with them is it so that you can strengthen your friendship that's good but that's not good enough is so that you can share the gospel you can live the light of the gospel to them so that along with you when the lord jesus comes they will also be a part of the kingdom of god an earnest desire to win souls for the lord jesus christ this was the desire of the lord jesus when he lived the same example is followed by apostle paul to win souls for christ we as believers must have the desire to win souls for the lord jesus christ how did he do that he explains that in verse 19 onwards how did he do that by becoming a slave verse 19 that is letting go of all his privileges that he was talking about and becoming one with people that he associated with but look how he describes that verse 20 to the jews i became the uh, a jew how why so that i could win the jews and then you look at the next line to those under the law that's talking about the jewish people themselves he says saying to the jews i became a jew who are the jewish people those who are under the law he says to those who are under the law i became like one under the law so as to win those under the law verse 21 to those not having the law i became like one not having the law though i am free not free from god's law but i am under christ's law so as to win those not having the law in verse 20 he talks about the jewish people his own people and he says to my own people i became like them so that i can share the gospel and win many from them and not only that to those not having the law who are the people who are not having the law if it's not the jews it's the to the gentiles to the gentiles i became like one who does not have the law because i'm not bound by anybody's law even though i am 
under the law of the Lord Jesus Christ. He reached out to the Jews, he reached out to the Gentiles. Now what does Apostle Paul actually mean by that? This is something new that I learned when I was studying the scripture and I'm so excited to share this with you. Let me just read a couple of verses for our understanding about that portion of scripture. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 2. The book of Galatians chapter 2 and verses 8. You look at what Apostle Paul says here, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, For God who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. So you see what the scripture very clearly teaches. The scripture clearly teaches that while the Lord had set Peter apart specifically to go to the Jews, God said Apostle Paul specifically to go to the Gentiles and share the gospel with them. But even though the Lord set his heart apart to go and share the gospel with the Gentiles, Paul never forgot to share the gospel with his own people, the Jewish people. And to the Jews, he became like one like them. To the Gentiles, his primary calling, he became like one like them. How did he fulfill this? And that's the beauty of what I want to show you. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 17. And we'll read that verse in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We'll read a couple of verses. We'll read from verses 1 to 4. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 4. When they had passed through Amphiolus and Ampholunia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As, were, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. You look at what it says there. You look at chapter 17, verses 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to a Jewish synagogue. So you see chapter 17, verses 1 and verse 10. Whenever he went to a place, a new place, as was his custom, where would he go? Why would he go to the synagogue? Because there was where his own people was. That was where the Jewish people was. And as was the custom of the synagogue, if a newcomer would come, they would invite him to preach from the word. How do we know that? Because in the Gospels, when Jesus went to the synagogue, they asked him to do so. Jesus opened the scriptures. He read that beautiful passage from Isaiah and he said, This day, the scripture has been fulfilled in, in me. And I can picture Apostle Paul going to the synagogue where the Jewish people are. And when they ask him to read, he would read from the scriptures. He would teach about the Old Testament Messiah. An Old Testament Messiah that was to come. An Old Testament Messiah that would suffer. An Old Testament Messiah that would die. But an Old Testament Messiah that would rise again. And then he would talk about how all of this was fulfilled in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would preach the gospel to his own people, the Jews, by visiting the synagogue. Because that was his custom. But while he was in Thessalonica, while he visited the Bereans, it's not that he forgot the, Ber- he forgot the Gentiles. Because how do we know the ministry that was reached out? In Thessalonica, the ministry that he had done is explained in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So if you turn to 1 Thessalonians, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Apostle Paul talks about the ministry that he did among the Gentiles. 
And you know, when you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, you understand the Gentile converts and how Apostle Paul worked in their life. You look at chapter 1 verses 6 onwards. He's talking about the Gentile believers. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And, and so, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. This is the testimony of the Gentile believers. So who were the Gentile believers before they came to the, came to the faith? They were idol worshippers. And in Thessalonica, Acts chapter 17, this is how Apostle Paul fulfills what we saw in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians verse 19. To the Jews, I became a Jew. How? By going to the synagogue. By sitting there with the people. And when they gave me a chance to explain from scripture, I taught them the truth. I shared the gospel. I would do that to the Jewish people, to those under the law, on the synagogue day. The remaining part of the day, I would work with my own hands. I would make things with my with, with, with leather, with make, make tents, with skins. And when the Gentile people would come into my shop, I would spend time with them. To those that are under the law, I would freely share the gospel. And as a result of which, in 1 Thessalonians, the believers that gathered in the church were not only made up of Jewish Christians, they were made up of Gentile believers who were once idol worshippers. And that's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 20 onwards. To the Jews, I became a Jew by going to the synagogue. To those not having the law, I would share the gospel with them in the marketplace. I would spend time with them. I would sell them my produce. And when I sell my produce, in whatever I did, I would share the gospel. Why did I do that? Why did I share the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles? So that out of all of them, I would win some for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to compare the synagogue to the office. That's completely a wrong uh, kind of a con uh, 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 connection. But I want to talk about people that we meet. The people that we meet every single time, wherever we go. People in our offices, in our colleges, in our schools. Do we also have the desire to share the gospel with those? Do we use every opportunity that we get from scripture to explain about a suffering, dying and a resurrected Messiah and how the fulfillment of that is found in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we have the desire to meet with those people that are there on the street? Does it ache our heart to know that there are people in our lives amongst our friends that are still living in darkness? Don't we understand? Now I'm not trying to guilt trip you. But don't we understand that we are responsible for their salvation experience, for them entering into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you and I have a desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ? If you turn to the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, you look at what Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. He says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be they may be they may be saved it is my earnest desire that my own people the people in my own family the people that i come across to every single day that they may be saved 
Now probably as a born again believer, probably you might not have a desire like that and that's perfectly fine. That's okay. But I don't want you to be completely complacent about it. Remember how in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38, the Lord Jesus himself says, we studied that the last time. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field. And I don't want you not only to pray for laborers to go into the field, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest to give you the desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think that that is just a task that is set apart for the full-time workers. Every born-again believer, every person who has accepted the Lord Jesus must have a desire for the Lord. And if you don't have such a desire, probably you need to spend time in prayer. You need to come back into your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me be you don't have a relationship with the Lord in the first place in order to have a desire to share with those who are lost. So you really need to go back. We really need to go back and think of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you and I realize just how close we came into going into eternal damnation and how much the Lord has loved me and saved me by His grace, you and I will find it impossible to become quiet. When we consider those that are there still living in darkness and still about to die and go into eternal damnation. Let us pray to the Lord of the harvest to give us a desire. Lord, send people from Calvary Bible Fellowship. And Lord, if it is me, if you desire that it should be me, then I pray that I will learn to give up everything and follow you into the ministry. But if you desire that I should do that along with my work, Lord, I pray deep down in my heart that you would plant the seed of that desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us do regularly share the gospel of the Lord Jesus? And how many of us are having that desire to go out and win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ? One of the first models that Apostle Paul teaches here for the ministry is that all believers must possess a desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You simply go out and you tell the Lord, tell everyone that is living in this world, people that you come across to, that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the only truth, that Jesus is the only life, that nobody can go to the Heavenly Father but through Him. We must become Jews to the Jews, to those under the law. We must become like one under the law. We, to those who are not having the law, we must become, we must be amongst the people with what they do, not involving in their sinful life, but letting them know that I am friends with you, that I want to spend time with what you do, but at the same time, I want to let you know why I am different from you. We must all have the desire, all possess the desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, listen to me very carefully, verses 22 and 23. The second model for ministry that Apostle Paul teaches here, here is that we must have a desire to share in the blessing of ministry. Number one, the model for ministry is that we must have a desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we must have a desire to share in the blessing of ministry. Let me read verse 22 and 23. Look at what he says. He says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. That's what I was saying. The second model for ministry that we must desire to share in the, in the blessings of ministry. You look at verse 22, he says to the weak, I have become weak. 
now he says to the jews have become like one under the law to those not having the law have become like one with the law and then he talks about those that are weak now some people would say that this term weak is talking to unbelievers because you remember that was while we were yet sinners you know another translation would say while we were yet weak Christ died for the weak for the ungodly so some people take that verse and say probably it's talking about unbelievers but you know what more than the fact that it's talking about unbelievers i think it's he's talking about born again believers who are weak in their spiritual faith now why do i say this when he's talking about the jews and the gentiles he's naturally talking about the unbelievers correct to those under the law not having the law they are unbelievers so why would he again talk about unbelievers in a particular verse so that's why i believe that when he says the weak he's talking about born again believers who are weak in their spiritual faith in the lord jesus christ now why i say that is also in first corinthians chapter 5 we studied about the weak believer yes we studied about that person who has accepted the lord jesus but is coming to the assembly and having a relationship with someone in his family that is a weak brother and we read this just before the message began in chapter 8 and verses 9 be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block for the for the weak again he's talking about the believers so he says to the weak i have become like someone who is weak and he's talking about the fact that the gospel is valuable not only for believers but the gospel is also valuable for uh, so not only valuable for unbelievers but it is also valuable for for the believers the gospel is truly valuable for believers as well The gospel is not only valuable for unbelievers who are living in darkness but have come out of the darkness into the light that is justification but he's saying that the gospel here is valuable for believers as well who have been justified and today every day must be sanctified must go on from maturity from the level that you were in yesterday you must grow in your relationship with the lord jesus christ and to those people he says i identify along with their weakness I know that there are so many Christians he says who are weak in their relationship with the Lord and I too am weak many a times in my relationship with the Lord he explains that in the book of Romans right he says you know the things that I want to do those are the things that I don't do and the things that I'm not supposed to do that is what I do I am a weak Christian many a times and he says to those believers who are weak he says I identify with you and I understand that it is very difficult for us to continue to maintain a relationship with the lord jesus christ because we live in our flesh we live in our flesh and we fall short many a times of what the the lord expects of us in our in our christian life you know the gospel is valuable for believers as well the gospel allows us to understand yes we have been forgiven there is no need for any guilt anymore nothing needs to hold us back then therefore all that we need to grow do is to grow daily in our relationship with the lord jesus christ there are many of us who probably might be still struggling with the guilt of our sin there are probably some of us who are sitting and thinking can god really forgive a person like me there is probably some of us who sit there and think yes i've accepted the lord jesus christ but i don't seem to be anywhere in the spiritual realm i don't seem to be anywhere in my relationship with the lord jesus christ and that is why the gospel is valuable that is why i believe from the pulpit we need to hear the gospel because it is not only valuable to the unbelievers but to the to, to those of us who are saved 
We need to remind ourselves daily. Yes, I am a forgiven person. Therefore, there is no condemnation for me. Satan can never hold me accountable of anything because the Lord has forgiven. And therefore, I need to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes into relation with sin in our believer's life, the gospel plays a valuable role because it allows a believer to completely, wholeheartedly understand that they are truly saved. To the weak, I have become as one who is also weak, so that by possible, by all possible means, I might save some. What does he mean? We are on our way to heaven, but that does not mean that you and I just sit there and say, yeah, I know I am a part and parcel of heaven, therefore it doesn't matter how I reach there. No, so that I can save you from committing any further sins. I can save you from becoming spiritually lazy. I can save you from just becoming lazy in your relationship with the Lord and I can love you to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To those who are spiritually weak, I also have become someone who is weak. I understand, I identify with all that is being done. In relation to a believer, in relation to a person's sin in their life, you and I as born-again believers need to come, come uh, uh, need to always remember that the gospel always continuously promises forgiveness. Let me just give you an example from the gospel. Turn with me to the gospel of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. You look at the example that the Lord Jesus gives over here. He says, Matthew 18 verse 15, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. And this, he's, the, this example the Lord Jesus gives before the church age. You I, know you, I know you know this portion very well. If anybody commits a particular sin, sit down with them and remind them of their sin. But how do you do that? On the basis of what the scripture teaches. If there is anybody here who is struggling with the issue of pride, I teach from scripture, I show from scripture that brother, the sin of pride must not be there in your life. And if your brother or your sister listens to you, you have won him over because of the gospel. Because you remind your brother, brother, you have tasted the gospel once in your life. This is not the life that you are supposed to live. You need to confess and come into your, uh, 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 a recommitment into the Lord Jesus Christ. You continue to read that portion. He says, if your brother does not listen, what are you supposed to do? Take one or two witnesses. And still if they don't listen, bring this before the whole assembly. When he was talking about the synagogue in Matthew's gospel, in the future tense in the book of Acts, he's talking about the assembly of God. And what are we supposed to do in front of the assembly? In front of the assembly, we are supposed to let sinners know that because of the gospel that has made you free once, you cannot live however you want to live. We cannot cause divisions in the church. We cannot destroy relationships between one another. We cannot have worldly attitudes or thoughts or behaviors. We must stop sin that is there in and around us. He talks of the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You talk to that brother and if that brother does not listen, treat him as a tax collector. Because you and I know that the essence of the gospel is that we have been forgiven once. And therefore the gospel teaches us we need to wholeheartedly, completely change our lives. We need to wholeheartedly, completely change our lives. Verse 23, 1 Corinthians 9, 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in 
its blessing. That I might share in its blessing. That when I share the gospel with an unbeliever, I will see that believer coming into the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a great joy for me. Because I know that there are angels in heaven who are rejoicing over one who repents of their sin. But not only that, when I take the gospel to a believer, I can rejoice in the blessing of seeing a believer change from his pathetic life and coming into that renewed relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is indeed a blessing for you and for me. And therefore, as born-again believers, you and I need to be open to receiving the gospel every single day of our lives. That you and I can't sit there and say, you know what, I'm already saved, I don't need the gospel. That's not true. But when you and I struggle in our sin, in our shame, in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we need a daily dose to hear the gospel. To hear how the Lord has so fully, freely forgiven me. That I am saved and that I am truly saved. That there is no burden of sin, of guilt that I need to carry along with me. And you and I need to understand and be able to adopt to people, to those who are spiritually weak. But to those of us who are spiritually weak, when we are presented with the gospel, when sin is shown in our life, we must not become quiet. We must not become hard in our hearts. We must be open, repent of our sins in the light of the gospel and tell ourselves, this is not what the Lord desires of me. I need to change my life. So the model for ministry, Apostle Paul says, number one, he says, all believers must desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must all have a desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we must all have a desire to share in its blessings. The gospel brings change in the life of a believer and an unbeliever. And it's such a joy to share in the blessings of the change that the gospel, that the word brings to the life of those who hear it. Number three, we must have a desire for personal discipline. You and I must have a desire for personal discipline. Let me read to you verse 24 to 27. Follow along with me in your Bible. Do you, know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. You know, it is not easy to be involved in ministry. It is not easy to have a desire to keep sharing the gospel. Why? Because it requires personal discipline. It requires a personal certain way of us living our Christian life. You and I need to live a disciplined life in order to always, regularly share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It requires a conscious effort. Listen to me. A conscious effort continuously taken in order to fulfill the great commission. Let me say that again. It requires a conscious effort that continuously is taken in order to fulfill the great commission. You look at verse 24. The discipline that Apostle Paul talks about is the comparison that he makes to running a race. Now you look at that verse in verse 24. He says, everybody runs. But does everybody get a prize? Yes or no? No. Everybody does not get a prize. And he says, when you run the race in your Christian life, run in order to get the prize. 
in order to get the prize. Just don't think that because we are saved, that when we are reaching heaven, you and I will all get a medal. No, it's not like that. There is a particular way as to how you and I are supposed to run the race. For example, I'm sure all of us at some point of time in our school would have been involved in our running race, right? Kids, you've all, uh, been, you've all run the race in your schools, right? Can you imagine go, going on the day to your school to run a race and you wear a coat and a suit and a tie? Can you run the race? Can you run the race? You can run the race. That's exactly true. But you won't. You won't win the prize. Can you put on your boots? Can you wear your school pack and run? No. Can you start running on your track and in between the race just because you like somebody else's track, left your track and gone to that person's track? No, you can't. You need to compete according to the, to the rules. When you go to your school and when you stand in the queue, first thing that they give you is they give you an identification with a number. Then only can you stand in the race. You need to have a particular dress code, a particular kind of shoes. You need to follow a particular kind of diet. You need to go through a particular kind of training in order to run the race. That's why he says in verse 24, run so that you can get the prize. Run so that you can get the prize. Let me give you a few examples. Turn to me to 2 Timothy. We know this verse very well. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Please follow along with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. There he says, Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And there are certain rules and regulations meant for born-again believers. If you compete according to the rules, if you run according to those rules, you will win the race and you will get the prize. One more verse. We know this was even better. We, we turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do you do that? Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us all run the race that is set apart for us. That is set apart for us. And let us run according to the rules. Run the race, he says in verse 24. See, in order to win the prize. Verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. We are looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus, which is very much at hand in consideration to the politics situation that's happening in India and in Jerusalem. I think the Lord Jesus is going to come very soon. And when the Lord Jesus comes, you and I will stand in the presence of the Lord. Why? To receive a crown that will not perish. All the certificates we got at school will be invalid anymore. The medals that we got, or all the cockroaches are eating right now, will all have no sense in comparison to the crown that the Lord Jesus is going to give to you and to me. And you and I will receive it if we run the race according to the, to the rules. You remember we've studied this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. There it talks about the Bhima judgment. And we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each will receive for him what was done while in the body, whether good or, or bad. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14, Apostle Paul himself says, You are my joy. We will stand in the presence of the Lord and in connection with the saints, we can become so proud of the fact that we have done the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember when, uh, when we were studying the book of Philippians chapter 3, Apostle Paul, he talks of the same thing. He says, it's not that I have yet take, taken hold of this, but this is what I do. What do I do? I forget what is behind and I press on to what is ahead of me. He talks about the blessed hope that he will stand in the presence of his heavenly father to receive the crown that the Lord will give to him for the way he's run his race. You come back to chapter 9, First Corinthians chapter 9. He says, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, so what should we do? Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I do not waste my life. I do not just come to church just like that and sit and just do all the petty things that I think is enough for me. No, I do not run aimlessly. There is a discipline that I follow Every single day of my life. In order to fulfill what the Lord has asked me to do. In order to run the race the way the Lord Jesus wants me to run the race. Competing according to the rules. Going into strict training. Following a certain kind of discipline. Living a particular kind of Christian life. So that I will receive the crown. You look at what he says in verse 27. No... I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. Apostle Paul is not talking about losing your salvation because no believer, no true believer can lose their salvation. He's not talking about losing our salvation, but he's talking about finishing the race well. He says, when I stand in the presence of the Lord, it is not that I have run the race, but it is how I have run and how I have reached the presence of the Lord. He's not talking about being disqualified from the kingdom of God, but he's talking about how well we have run our race. Would you listen to me carefully as I say these next few words? There are a lot of believers who have started their race really well. Somewhere in between, they've lost focus. And I don't know if some of you are doing the same thing right now. There are many of us who have run a race really well the day we accepted the Lord Jesus as a personal saviour. The day we joined Calvary Bible Fellowship. But the last one year, two years, instead of running, maybe some of us are jogging. Maybe some of us are walking. Maybe instead of running the race, some of us are probably sitting down on the side and saying, no, let somebody else do that. And that is what Apostle Paul talks of right here. Instead of running the race, Apostle Paul says, we must not count ourselves to be disqualified from the prize. There are some of us who have lost complete track of what is the intent of God with Calvary Bible Fellowship. There are some of us who probably come here and becoming very casual in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, it's okay for me. It's okay with all that I do in church. If that is the case, brothers and sisters, yes, because of salvation, we will be in the presence of the Lord. Nothing can keep you out of heaven. But we shouldn't stand there not having run our race really well. It matters how you begin your race, but it also equally matters how well you, you run and complete the race. And he says, when I have preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified and therefore you and I need to live a personal disciplined life in order to attain that as born again believers 
One way how you and I can do that is by living in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I request all the men of CBF to stay back today for the men's meeting because that is what we're going to talk of. Please don't go back home. Please stay back. Take half an hour of your time to stay back for the men's study because we are going to be talking about how you and I can learn to be controlled by the work of the Holy Spirit to run the race in order not to be uh, disqualified from getting the prize. And he says, I beat my body in verse 27. And I make my body my slave. Instead of becoming a slave to my body. Instead of listening to the excuses that my body makes. That when my body says that I should do this, that I should do that, that it's okay for me to miss meetings, that it's okay for for the church to fit into my schedule, that I will only, only do what I feel like doing. Instead of doing all of those things, instead of enjoying certain privileges, Paul gives up those privileges. He desires to become a slave. Even if it is food, I will give it up. Even if it is anything, I will give it up for the sake of the gospel. So that I will not be disqualified from getting the prize, he says. He says, I beat my body and I make my body my slave. And how many of us have become slaves to our bodies? How many of us have become slaves to our earthly excuses? How many of us make those excuses every week and say, it's perfectly fine. I have this and I have that and I have that and I have that. And because of all of these things, I cannot run my race properly. No, I make my body my slave. I will never become a slave to my earthly, fleshly desires. And in order to make my body listen to me, in verse 27, I beat my body. That's the extent that I go to, that I'm willing to go through, the sacrifice that I'm willing to make, the privileges that I'm willing to give up in order to become a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember in Hebrews chapter 11, don't turn there, verse 24, uh, 24 onwards, you remember the example of Moses? Even though he was born in the, in the house of Pharaoh. But he did not consider that, but rather he chose to suffer with his, with his own people. Would you like to be born in a palace or be willing to do work with your, with your people? He was willing to do that. He gave up those privileges to be, to be counted along with the suffering of his people. And what did it give him? Nothing. But to walk in the wilderness for 40 years with sheep. But one fine day he saw a burning bush. And from, the, from, 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 that, from that shepherding, the Lord made him a leader for 6 lakh people. Was it easy for him even at that time? No. It was so difficult. There were times and times where he himself wondered, what am I doing with these people? But ultimately look at the blessing that the Lord Jesus gave to, the, to, the Lord, to, to Moses himself. Where he called him, even though he was an angry man, he called him the man who was the most humble person lived on this world. Why? Because he chose to give up that, discipline his body in order to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the end of the life of Moses. And when Apostle Paul says, I want to make my body my slave, I beat it so that I will not be disqualified. How did he run his race? How did he finish his life? You know, we know that history teaches us that 2 Timothy is the last known written of, uh, letter of Apostle Paul. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when you, after he wrote that book, the only sound that he heard according to history is the sound of the jail doors opening. But he was, the doors did not open to set him free. It was only so that he would be brought out in chains. He would be made to, be, uh, to kneel down on the ground in front of a huge audience. And the sound that he hears is the sound of the sharpening of the sword. 
and before that sword was placed on his neck as it was lifted high in the sky how do you think apostle paul ended his race you remember in second timothy chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 he says i have fought the the good fight i have finished the race and i have kept the faith now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness that god will give to all who long for his appearing and that is how he ended his life brothers and sisters how would you end your life how would we end our race today if the lord jesus were to come today how many of us would stand in the presence of the lord and say lord whatever you have asked me to do i have done it whatever you have desired of me to fulfill in my christian life i have fulfilled it there is nothing that you will find that i have fallen short of now that i have reached your presence o oh lord open the book of accounts look at my life and i am sure that you will give me the crown of life that i have so earnestly desired to receive from you from the day that i accepted you as my lord and my personal self do we have a desire for personal discipline can i read one more verse will you turn with me to the book of philippians chapter 1 look at what it says in verse 27 Philippians 1 verse 27 puts together everything that we just discussed today. Philippians 1:27 says, "Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ." Conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And how do we conduct ourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel? We must have a desire to win to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must have a desire to share in its blessings and we must have a desire for personal discipline without these things we cannot conduct ourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel without this our friends cannot look at us and say that you are no different from that you are different from everybody else brothers and sisters sisters we should understand that the lord paid a huge price on the cross of calvary and it is with that price that he saved you and me from the depths of hell and we should conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of the lord jesus christ do we have a desire to share the gospel do we have a desire to see people changing their lives and coming into the faith, saving knowledge of the lord jesus christ do we have a desire to share in his blessings knowing that the gospel changes the life of unbelievers and believers is there any of us who are still living in sin even after tasting the lord jesus christ do we allow the scriptures to make those changes in our lives and do we have a desire to discipline ourselves beat our body run the race the way that is it is marked out for me so that at the end of it all i will not be disqualified that i will not fall short of anything to receive the crown the rewards that the lord jesus will give unto me and if there is any of my friends sitting here who has never accepted the lord jesus and probably you're hearing this for the very first time in your life could i ask you could i encourage you would you think about what we just spoke right now it is not by chance or by luck that you happen to be here it was by divine intervention that you come here and you listen to the lord jesus speaking to your heart would you open your heart and would you respond to him right now all that we've been speaking from scripture is about jesus christ who created the entire world who created you who loves you who died for you on the cross so that if you open your heart you can become a friend of the lord jesus just like how i and many of my friends here are a friend of the lord jesus The scripture says to those who call upon the Lord to them he has given them the privilege to be called his children. And I want to ask you, are you a friend of the Lord Jesus? How can you do that wherever you are seated? In your heart you can just say along with me, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner.
I know that you died on the cross for my sin. Would you forgive me? Would you make me your child? If there is anybody sitting here who would like to make that decision, would you stay back and talk to us after the meeting so that we can spend some time with you, share the word, pray and help you understand how as to how you can enter a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we pray and close as we always do, can I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head just for just a minute? The reason I ask you to close your eyes just for a minute is so that you will not be distracted by anything else that's happening around you but that you would think about your own personal life. Please don't fall asleep. I want you to consider your life in the light of what we've heard right now. My dear sister, my dear brother, the scripture is so simple and so clear as to the model that the Lord desires of his servants of the Lord. That's not just talking about full-time workers, but it's talking about all born-again believers. Do we have a desire to win souls for Christ? If we don't have a desire, can we right now just pray and say, Lord, would you, would you put that seed of that desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, I might have a lot of friends. But Lord, if all of those friends or even one of those friends go into eternal damnation, then I'm responsible. Would you forgive me for my laziness and would you allow me to share the gospel with them? Brothers and sisters, do we have a desire to share in the blessings of the gospel? Not only for unbelievers, but the gospel changes the life of believers. Is there any of you living in any particular sin? Is there any of us who have hardened our hearts to sin? And if the gospel is open, would we be willing to confess and renew our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there any of us who is not living a disciplined Christian life? Probably we don't even have our quiet times. Read the Bible or spend time in prayer. Would we take a minute to confess and say, Lord, would you please forgive us? I would like to renew my relationship with the Lord. And to any of my friend who has never accepted the Lord Jesus, would you open your heart and ask the Lord Jesus to come and live in? I will pray and close, but before I pray and close, I want to give you a few seconds and whatever is there in your heart, whatever you want to pray, you can pray and set things right with God. And then we will pray and we will close. Father Lord, nothing by what we can do Simply by your grace, we have been redeemed, we have been brought into your holy presence. So we thank you, we praise you. We glorify your precious name because there is truly no one like you in this world. Father Lord, we thank you for the word and we pray that you would install in us the desire to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Install in us the desire to share in the blessings of the gospel. That now as we see changes in the life of unbelievers, that we will allow the gospel to bring changes in our own lives. That if there is any of us sitting here who are still uh, struggling with the guilt of sin, enable us to understand that we are truly forgiven and grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Install in us the desire for having a personal discipline to spend time reading the word in prayer so that we, having run the race, will run it well, finish it well, stand in your presence and hear from your word, my good and my faithful servant. Thank you for the gospel that is so full and so free. And there is, if there is any of my friends sitting here who has not yet accepted you, I pray that they would open their hearts to receive you as their Lord and their personal Savior. Father Lord, we also acknowledge that today would be the day that you would return back into this world. And if you are to come back, what a joy it would be for us to be reunited with you. But if you are to tarry for one more day or one more week, we pray that you bless the week ahead of us. Enable us to live every day in the light of what we've studied today. 
Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus Christ's most holy precious name, we ask and we pray.